Wonder what story he's going to open with. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, hey, great to be worshiping with you guys here and uh, love what God is doing in this place. And uh, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not wandering around walking real well right now. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. Just want to let you know, first and foremost, I uh, have a little family chat moment for you. Have you noticed that it is getting packed out in here? That is a really lame response. Have you noticed that? Amen. Amen. Man, God is doing some big things in this place. We have just had awesome attendance in the last few weeks, and this even being a holiday weekend, just awesome attendance. And so we've been doing a few things to adjust, and we're going to be making a few other adjustments coming along here, but here's two of them starting right now, all right? Just so you know, what we've been doing is elders, deacons, staff, and anybody who's volunteering before 830, we've been parking off-site now. We're parking over at Midwest Technical Institute at I-75 in Pinecrest there, or I-74 in Pinecrest, that'd be a long drive, I-74 in Pinecrest, and uh, we're parking over there, and uh, that got about 60 cars out of there, so that allows some more parking space, so we're doing that, all right, that helps a little. Here's the other one we're going to do, I need your help with this, okay? After this service, when you're going out, you're leaving the 9 o'clock, what we're going to do now is everybody's going to be turning right, Okay? There's two lanes on the way out on Cimarron, and they're just going to keep feeding it right. That should help move it from a longer delay on getting out of the parking lot to a lot faster. Then you can use I-74 or 474 to get to where you need to. If you need to be going the exact opposite direction, please hear me, don't break the law, all right? No giant U-turn in the middle of Pinecrest and find a... I'm serious, all right? We've had it happen, all right? So as you're going along, find that road to turn off on, whether it be right up there by Midwest Technical or even up over the bridge and turn around if you need to come back. But otherwise, try to use 74 and get around to where you need to get to, all right? Let's see if we can't kind of help empty this parking lot a little faster. I think the waiting and the left and right turns and the... So two lanes are turning right. How many lanes? And that's all of them, all right? So you're turning right, join us. No U-turn. Everybody say no U-turn. We got it? All right. That's what we're going to try now. So those are our two moves that will open up some parking. That will get some things going there. And then we'll be looking at some other uh, pieces of managing some of this as well. All right? So be praying for that. All right. That said, so this has been an interesting week for our family. Uh, last Sunday was great. Just a huge service here. Great celebration. We had a couple people accept Christ in the service and right after. And just a powerful time as God was moving and uh, got out, did a little break, got out into the woods a little bit and relaxed there with a friend just looking at some uh, deer stand possibilities and that. And uh, got back home that night. I was talking to my daughter, Alyssa, and uh, she said, yeah, I got some homework I have to do. I have to go and get the, oh, I left my iPad at church. I'm like, okay, well, why don't we go back and get it? I can get the code. We'll go back in and get the thing. And she goes, oh, no, I didn't. I left it on the hood of the car. That was the same word I said. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, hey, you know what? Here we go. Let's go get it. So I went over. I thought, well, it, how, it must have fallen off in the parking lot, right? So I grabbed some flip-flops, jumped in the car with my daughter. We drive over, get here. We look the whole parking lot. Pastor Mitch helped us look. Did not find the iPad anywhere in the parking lot or in the grass. So now we go on the hunt. We will find the iPad, right? So uh, we go all the way down Cimarron, all on the road and in the grass, Nothing, no iPad anywhere. 
looked through that direction twice up and down Simran. We're like, come on, how tight is this thing gripping the car to stick on, right? And I look at her and I go, baby, how fast were you going down Simran? And she goes, oh, not fast at all. <laughs> Which is what you have to say to your dad when you're asked that question. So, so we get to the end of Simran and I'm like, that's it, we're continu- continuing to look. So we turn onto Pinecrest and I get out of the car and I start walking Pinecrest looking in the grass while she drives Pinecrest looking in the street and looking all over. We went all the way down Pinecrest to Muller, okay? By the way, there is a dead deer on the side on Pinecrest. Scares the snot of you in the dark, <laughs> and, uh, just so you know. And uh, continued to walk on down, got to Muller, turned onto Muller, now the cops come up. Right? At least you know you're not going to be arrested for looking for an iPad, so my heart didn't start flying. So I'm talking to the cop. I'm like, hey, can you help us out? And so he goes down with the spotlight all the way down Muller looking for it, doesn't find it. So we jump in the car, and we're now everywhere there's a big bend. We stop, I jump out, and I'm looking in the grass. Okay. So now is where you have to remember a few things. So remember, I've had a couple of brain surgeries, right? You all remember that? And a part of that is I had extremely low hormones. Hormones plummeted there for about three years. I had like a 95-year-old body going on. Uh, that makes your bones pretty brittle. And uh, we're coming up out of that, praise be to God, and hormones are all up, and that's getting better, but they are still slightly brittle. Just keep that in mind as the story goes on now. So I'm looking along the side of the road in the grass with the flashlight, not looking right where I'm at, and a very dark brown bottle. Don't throw dark brown bottles on the side of the road very dark brown bottle laying on the side of the road that I didn't see, and my right foot hit it and started to slide out, and all my weight came down on my left, and I started to kind of squat down on my left foot, and uh, as I got into the squat and caught myself, I'm like, oh, I'm all right, I didn't hurt myself, and as I start to stand up, my right foot slips on the bottle again and puts more weight down, and my toes snapped, and uh, that's what I said, too. That was not a good moment. Have you ever felt your toes bend up and touch the top of your foot? That shouldn't happen, man. And uh, I just got on my phone and I dialed my daughter. I'm like, come pick me up. I just broke my foot. And she's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm serious. You got to come pick me up. So she comes over. I jump in the car. She says, now what? I'm like, go back and get mom. We'll go to the ER. You can do your homework. So we drop her off. Uh, Alyssa starts having an asthma attack. And she panics a little bit, and she's starting to cry and sob. And I'm like, honey, I'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Quote now. What about my homework? (laughs) It was in the iPad. And uh, we did find the iPad three days later. A friend's friend's cousin's grandfather, I think is how it goes, found it, which is absolutely, this world is small, Right? And, uh, or maybe Morton is small, I'm not sure which, but grandfather found it, turned it back in in pieces. Lisa ended up saying, can we save the data off of it? And he held up the part that would hold the data, and he's like, well, this used to be the data. So I don't think so. So she did lose all her stuff there. Uh, we did find it uh, in the end and get it replaced, but um, what's the point? Uh, so that's why I'm sitting today. And uh, more than that, though, hey, man, this world is broken, isn't it? This world is broken, and there's things that happen that aren't fun to go through, and there's hurts we can have, and yes, we even lose things in this world, and we may never retrieve them. This world is broken. Hear me now. But your salvation is not. Amen? 
Your salvation, it cannot be lost, it cannot be broken, and God has it in hand. I am sealed. Man, we're in the middle of a series here, and it's called Who Am I? And we're going to be looking through this, I am sealed. That's the verses we're going to be walking through today, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 11 through 14. We got the ushers coming down, they got Bibles in their hands, uh, so just raise your hand and they can get a Bible to you as well. Ephesians 1. Verses 11 through 14. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. All right. Remember, we've been talking through who am I in Christ? And what does that mean? And what value is there in knowing him as Savior? And today, very specifically looking at the role of the Holy Spirit. Two parts. And so the first piece, point number one. In him, this is Jesus Christ, we obtained an inheritance for his glory. In him, we obtained an inheritance for his glory. We'll start out in verse 11 here. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, everybody say in him. This is in Jesus Christ, man. We have much in him, and it starts out in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. We have hope in Christ. We have much in Christ. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Please note, we have obtained, past tense. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, inheritance is is yours. We have obtained an inheritance. Now, in the original language, this is just one word. It's one word, and it means uh, allotted to or given to. And so some of your translations say, we have been made an heir, right? Because that's part of what it means to be given something is you're an heir to the throne. And uh, so this allotted, this apportioned to, and it is past tense. It is done. It is over. It is resolved at the moment of salvation we have obtained an inheritance, and uh, we already have it. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. You may want to write those verses down. First Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. It talks about this inheritance. It says it is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, reserved in heaven for you. Okay. That's your inheritance. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and reserved. Uh, what is the inheritance? There's so much that goes with it, right? We have eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life with him. From this moment of selfishness and devastation and all about me and death reigning and brokenness and to eternal life, joy and peace with him for all of eternity. Praise be to God. That's part, part of the inheritance. Did you know that we are given the privilege of sitting on thrones and reigning with him for eternity? Revelation chapter 20. That we literally will be ruling with him. Him over us and us being able to rule with. We have obtained an inheritance. God is going to be lavishing on not what we deserved, but what we do not deserve. He is all grace. He is all glory, and he is amazing love. We have inheritance in our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is an awesome promise. 
And uh, it says more than that, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The word according to is right there twice over, right? And so, yes, we have this inheritance. It says, having been predestined. And, and what does that word mean? Well, pre means before, and destined means to be determined, right? So predetermined, determined beforehand. That's all it means. Predetermined, okay? And that's the word. It means it, and God's involved in your life from eternity past. How does that work, man? And just so you know, this is not a passage trying to explain how it all works. This is a passage trying to say, I'm telling you, your God is so worth worshiping. Your Father is so awesome in who He is. And uh, may we celebrate that He's invested in our lives from eternity past. And so, yes, predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things. Did you know that? He works all things. How many things? Not some things, man. All things. And uh, God is invested in, and God knows what he's doing. And whatever struggle you're walking through, whatever heartache you're going through, whatever moment in your life happened that seems silly and didn't need to happen, God's invested in. Do you believe that? He works all things according to his purpose. God has purpose. And he says here, the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He has a will, and he's working according to his will. The biggest struggle we have in life is when we try to work this world according to the counsel of my own will. Right? That's when we start getting train wrecked. When we start trying to take control of it and make it go the way I want it to go. And hear me, God's got a plan and God's unfolding it and God's got purpose and God's working this thing out. Yes, even to salvation, amazing how he's invested in our lives. Praise be to God. We have inheritance and he is at work and we have hope. And uh, verse 12, so that, purpose statement, so that, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of of his glory, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And uh, you see the word we here, well, we means kind of, it's all believers, and then it gets narrowed here. It says we, who were the first to believe. And uh, the first to believe, you go back and you look in uh, the late gospels and early acts, you see who the first to believe were, right? The Jews, some of those disciples and apostles who were following Christ, and they were the first to trust in Christ. And there was hope in that. And there was purpose in that. They trusted in him for their eternal salvation. And God doing something great in it. It says, to the praise of his glory. What's the purpose? To the praise of his glory. Man, that's what this is all about. May God be glorified. May God be lifted up. May he be celebrated in this. We have what we do not deserve salvation. We have forgiveness, and he is lavishing it on in an amazing way. He is stockpiling up the inheritance, and we already have it to our name, to the praise of his glory. And all of God's people said, sometimes we just don't get what it means that we have an inheritance to our name. And uh, we missed the point 
and we miss what its value is. And uh, you remember the name Prince William, right? Prince William. So this is the son of Princess Diana. When Princess Diana passed away, he was 15. His younger brother was 12 or 13. And, and Prince William, at age 15, his mom is gone. He is now being called Prince. He is considered a successor potential to the throne. He has an inheritance from his mom. At that time, the inheritance given to him was somewhere around $20 million. Somewhere around 20 mil, okay? And uh, at the same time, all the castles and the places he would live, those were already considered in his name and all the things paid for, but $20 million in excess, okay? And as people talked about him, they talked about him as Prince William. It wasn't some guy who someday maybe could take a potential throne, maybe if, and things weren't put in question. He was called by his title. He was considered rich. Here's what you don't know. He could not take hold of that inheritance until he was 30 years old. That was just a couple years ago, two, three years ago. Nobody looked at him and said, he's not wealthy. They looked at him and said, that boy's got an inheritance, man, and it's growing. The thing is almost 30 million, almost now it's 40 million dollars as he took it over. Rich and uh, yes, known by his title and yes, known by the wealth that would come to him. And hear me now, that's you too. You are a child of the king. You carry with that title and privilege. He is guaranteeing an inheritance for you that cannot be toyed with. We'll see that in the second point. You have inheritance. Praise be to God. It involves what you do not deserve. It involves what God lavishes on. His character will be reflected in it to the praise of his glory. You have inheritance. You are a child of the king if you trust in Jesus Christ. Man, do you trust in Christ as your savior? Then God's got some amazing things in store for you. So simple question. Are you living like a child of the king? Are you living like his child? Understanding that he's in charge, he has full authority, and he's got some things he's accomplishing in your life. Are you letting God have his way? And uh, do you recognize that he set everything aside for you? And you can now live for him. Man, it is too easy in this broken world to get distracted and make it all about self. And I'm just telling you, this world has its pain. And it's easy to get distracted. And this week alone, we've had four funerals. We had two funerals on Wednesday alone, together in one family. Within one week, both a mother and a son. And uh, he was in his 30s, and she was in her 60s. And I'm just telling you, this world is fragile. But our God is unbelievable. And he is doing something amazing in this broken world as he brings us to him, as he restores us up, and as he guarantees an inheritance for all of eternity. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said, let's lean on him with all we've got, all right? That's the first point. We have inheritance. Second, in him, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit as an absolute guarantee. 
in him we were sealed by the Holy Spirit as an absolute guarantee. It says in verse 13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. In him you also... Now, you hear what, what noun is used there? You, right? We're hearing that pronoun, you. And so remember, we just saw the we right before it. It said, we who were the first to believe, and now you also. So those are the next ones. Everybody just say the next ones. So this is the next ones to believe. This is the church at Ephesus, right? Because he's writing to them. So when he says you, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus there. And all those who would follow after. First was the we who first believed, Right, The Jews there, and Paul talked about that and the purpose of giving glory to God in that. And now, you also, all who were following after and trusting in Christ. And how did they come to trust in Christ? Well, he says right here, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. Right? When you heard the word of truth and when you believed in him, and uh, this is a huge deal. God decides to work in our lives by calling us to him through the spoken word. And we see it in Romans chapter 10, that those who preach the word, they bring that preach and people are saved by hearing that word. Praise be to God. And uh, we have hope in him. It says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now the word gospel means good news. It means that while I was not saved, I now have the chance to be saved. The gospel of salvation. The good news that the Father is resolving in us what we could not resolve. The good news of salvation. And uh, it says the gospel of your salvation was brought to you. This word of truth, it is 100% true. And we trust in him. It says, and you believed in him. Now, just so you know. That word believed is not like we use the word believe today, right? You're like, well, I believe so. That's kind of how we say, I believe so. It means like, I hope so. I'm thinking so. Maybe so. I'm not sure, but it could be true. And that's not what it means. Everybody say, that's not what it means. Right? Believed, it means I am utterly convinced that this is the truth. I am in. I am 100% in believed. It affects how I feel. It affects how I think. It affects how I act. I believe. True belief does call for true action following through. Belief, man. This is a belief that will rock your soul. That's what we're called to. To admit that we are in need of a Savior. To admit that we are not perfect. We are broken. We are sinners. We have come up short, right? That's what the scripture says, come up short. The word is literally a sports term. It's an archery term. It means you took the arrow and you were aiming at the center, and as you released, you missed the center of the target. You missed the outer ring. You missed the whole doggone target. It came up short and hit turf, and that's when they all said, ooh, he has sinned. It was an archery term, like basketball today, right? Like shooting the air ball. We've said that a number of times around here. Men, we've all shot an air ball. We've come up short. We're in need of a savior. Admit that. 
Lord, I'm not perfect. I'm way short of who you are. Here's the deal, man. All too often, we look at the people around us and we're like, well, I'm a lot closer than he is. I must be pretty well off. And just so you know, though, Scripture doesn't say compare yourself to the guy next to you. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our comparison is upward vertically. We stand before our king. How do you stand before him? And the answer is, in need. Admit, you are in need of a savior. And that's where we all stand. Second, be believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he is risen from the dead, that there is hope in him. Believe. You are utterly convinced. Believe. Believe with all you've got that Jesus is God. And then Romans 10 says one last piece just to make it personal and confess him as Lord. Like you are in charge, not just in the world in general, but you are in charge in my life. You are in charge. You are God. Confess him as Lord. Admit, believe, confess. And that's saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We have hope in Jesus Christ if we do that. Notice what it says here. If you believe in him, it says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. From the moment of belief, sealed. Okay? What does that word sealed mean? Well, it's something that happened back in ancient times when they were sending a letter or something. They would take a scroll or a letter, they would roll it up or fold it up, and they would pour some wax over it. They would take a seal and stamp down on it, and it would actually have the statement of Rome in it. It was saying, this is as good as true carried by the government of Rome. Truth. But more than that, this is guaranteed by the authority of Rome. Whoever tampers with this seal tampers with me. So said the Roman emperor. That's what sealed meant. It meant guaranteed, assured. It meant stated truth. It meant defended with full authority. That's sealed. He says, when you trusted Christ as Savior, Holy Spirit comes in like a Wax pouring over and stamping down the very statement of God's hand on your life. Sealed with full authority and guarantee. That's God working in your life. Sealed by the Holy Spirit here. So we actually now see God the Father working with God the Son at the cross and God the Holy Spirit making the guarantee. The whole Godhead at work in your life. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's verses three through 14, at work in you if you've trusted Christ as Savior. Notice it says, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When promised? When? Well, John chapters 14 through 16. Christ is like, I'm gonna go away, but I'm telling you, I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will come. He will convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. He will make available to you the understanding of who I am in a deeper level. Promised comforter, Holy Spirit. Sealed as he takes up residence in your life. Presence within you as you trust in Christ as Savior. 
assuring and guaranteeing and leading you into all truth, God at work in your life. And this salvation, it is not whimsical. This salvation, it is not a maybe. There is a guarantee of how it comes down, and God works authoritatively in it. We have hope in him. And all of God's people said, man, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? You hearing that? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? You will not lose your inheritance. Salvation cannot be lost. Eternally secure. I don't know how you look at this passage and come up with any other conclusion. We have the Holy Spirit. He is stamping his seal of approval on. If you've trusted in Christ, he is with you. He loves you. And he's making good on his promise. The inheritance is as good as done. Praise be to God. And I'm telling you, this eternally secure moment is a big deal. Because the more we put salvation on us, and we have to be in and out. And if, we, if I don't trust on him on that day, and all of a sudden starts sliding away, then we've broken open the seal. We've destroyed the guarantee, and there is nothing. And then I'm saved again. Now it's resealed. And that is not what this verse says. Eternally secure. Sealed. Man, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, hear me now. He's doing a work in you that will last for all of eternity. That's our King. That's our hope. That's His promise as we follow with Him. Praise be to God. And uh, He says here, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, which, by the way, will be on the other side in heaven until we acquire possession of it, and that's on the side of heaven, to the praise of his glory. Here's the phrase again, to the praise of his glory. Just say it with me, to the praise of his glory. Praise be to God. Yes, he was working with those first Jews who came to trust him. Yes, he's been working with all the rest. And as we hear and believe, he is saving as he's bringing us to him. And your God is at work in your life. When someone asks you who you are, it is this simple. I am a child of the king of the universe. He is my almighty God. And there is no one who can take that away. I am sealed his. There is an inheritance and it will be all to his praise and glory. Not to my fame and my name, but to his fame and his name. May he get all the glory. Who am I? I'm a child of the king. And I'm inheriting from him. And I will not doubt its truth. The Holy Spirit is working in me. God is doing an amazing work. And you take a look back in this passage, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father who is pouring on us. As he's choosing, he's predestining, he's doing works we can hardly understand. God's sovereignty at work. And then he's calling us to hear and to believe man's responsibility in play. And both of those together working out this miracle of salvation. And uh, 
Jesus Christ going to the cross as the Lamb of God, our shed blood. Verses 3 through 14, giving an unbelievable hope in him. So who is this Christ? I just want to lock this down real quick. You may want to turn there with me. We're going to spend just a few moments here. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 37. Acts 10, starting in verse 37. Love hearing the pages turn. Acts 10, starting in verse 37. Notice what he says here. Seven things true about your Jesus Christ. Number one, he says in verse 37, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38, here's the first truth of Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. God the Father anointing God the Son with God the Holy Spirit, the full Godhead, the I Am unleashed into this world. Jesus Christ, John chapter 8, verse 58, he said, I am the I am. And yes, he is God. That's Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit on him and huge power happening. Second thing that happened with Christ. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He healed. He restored. He shared truth. There was laughter and joy and, and healing in this king. He said he healed whole towns, man. Can you imagine that moment? As Christ walked into a community and every single heart and soul and body was healed. That's Jesus Christ. Number three, verse 39. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. There are witnesses to this truth. Don't doubt it. There are witnesses by the hundreds that this is what took place. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, healing along the way. Witnesses seeing it. Verse 40, number five here, or number four, sorry. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Jesus Christ went to the cross and his shed blood poured out for you and for me. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Jesus Christ's blood for me. He went to that cross and hung on that tree, sinless and perfect, yet him for me. Verse 40, number five, the fifth thing for Christ's truth. He was raised on the third day, and God made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He is risen. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, man. He is king of the universe. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He is providing for me and you. He has it in hand. That's our God. He is risen from the dead. We have hope in him. Number six, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus Christ will stand as reigning judge over all. Period. That is who Jesus Christ is. Do you know him as your God? Do you know him as your king? This is our hope in God Almighty. And the last one, seventh, verse 43. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin 
through his name. Bam. It is that simple. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. And this isn't that toying around belief that we use today. This is the all in, I'm committed. God, you've got me. I'm trusting in you. I believe. You are risen from the dead. You are God. I believe there is forgiveness of sin in you. That's saved. All right. So I got a simple question for you today. Are you saved? Have you trusted Christ as your personal savior and locked it in? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here. And let's make sure we get this right with our king. 